It's Friday, May the 8th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, DOJ drops fling case and China hits back over COVID. First, the world in brief. America's Department of Justice said it was dropping its criminal case against Michael Flynn, Donald Trump's first national security advisor. Mr. Flynn had pleaded guilty to lying to FBI agents about his conversations with a Russian diplomat. In an unusual move, William Barr, the Attorney General, had assigned an outside lawyer to review the case. Minutes before the department's announcement, the lawyer who led the prosecution against Mr. Flynn withdrew from the case. China said it supported an investigation by the World Health Organization into the origins of COVID-19 and hit back at American officials in an escalating quarrel between the two countries. President Donald Trump and his Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, had claimed that the virus may have escaped from a laboratory in Wuhan. The WHO, which Mr Trump has criticised for its handling of the pandemic, called such comments speculative. At least 11 people died and hundreds were taken to hospital after a gas leak at a plastics factory in the South Indian state of Andhra Pradesh. The area around the larger chemical plant owned by South Korea's LG Chem was evacuated. The Prime Minister, Narendra Modi, called an emergency disaster meeting. The European Central Bank rejected a ruling by Germany's constitutional court that found the ECB to be exceeding its mandate by buying trillions of euros worth of bonds in its quantitative easing programme. The bank argued it was accountable to European institutions only and promised to continue QE to support the eurozone through the coronavirus crisis. Neiman Marcus filed for bankruptcy. The swanky American department store chain was suffering ill health before the pandemic struck as it struggled to compete with online sellers. COVID-19 made an unaided recovery impossible. Neiman hopes to emerge from bankruptcy in the autumn. Earlier this week, J. Crew, another big American retailer, also sought protection from its creditors. Liberty Global and Telefonica, owners of Virgin Media and O2 respectively, agreed to a £31 billion, $38.3 billion merger, a deal that will dramatically alter Britain's entertainment and telecommunications industry and create a rival to BT. The tie-up marries Virgin's broadband and entertainment services with O2's 34 million strong phone network, the country's largest. The transaction is expected to close in mid-2021. And South African breweries said it may have to pour away 130 million litres of beer as a result of a lockdown ban on selling booze in its home market. SAB is also asking for government assistance and planning to cut half of its 4,000 workers, who may struggle even to drown their sorrows. Milk stout everywhere, nor any drop to drink. And now here's today's agenda. The depths of the downturn. America's labour market. Everyone knows that unemployment across the world is shooting up. No one knows for sure how bad things will really get. America's official job figures for April published today could give a strong indication. The economy has probably lost in the region of 20 million jobs since the lockdowns began. A private sector survey released on May 6th found that payrolls had dropped by 20.2 million. The official report will probably show that unemployment has risen to around 16%. Oddly, the figures for wage growth may not be too bad. That is because low-income workers have been especially likely to lose their jobs, which mechanically drags up average wages. One small mercy, the American labour market is unlikely to get much worse from here. Nonetheless, it still looks at its weakest in the best part of a century. Show Me Deliverables, America's Struggling Postal Service 
Today, the state-owned United States Postal Service reports quarterly results. Even before the pandemic, it was in deep trouble, forecasting a net loss of nearly $8 billion this year. Now it projects a $13 billion deficit. Mail volume has plummeted down by nearly a third from a year ago. An uptick in e-commerce from homebound shoppers has not offset falls in advertising and business mail. USPS foresees service disruptions by September without aid. It is negotiating a $10 billion federal loan. President Donald Trump has long harangued USPS, accusing it of giving sweetheart shipping rates to Amazon, one of his bet noirs, and wants it to raise prices. It says parcel fees are competitive. Louis DeJoy, a donor to the president, has just been appointed as its boss. Shoring up USPS requires action from Congress, which could let it set prices and free it of the obligation to pre-fund pensioners' health benefits. That would be something to write home about. The Grateful Eight. Hong Kong loosens up. Hong Kongers were never locked down like Milanese or Wuhanese. Schools closed in January in response to the coronavirus. People have been encouraged to stay in and work from home, but dining in restaurants and visiting hair salons were permitted. Now 18 days since the last locally transmitted case, social venues including mahjong parlours and pubs have reopened too. The size of groups allowed in public has been doubled to eight, and children will soon head back to school. Testing, early hospitalisation, contact tracing, border closures and quarantines have kept confirmed cases in a population of 7.5 million to just 1,044, with four related deaths. But Hong Kongers credit their own vigilance and enthusiasm for masks rather than their unpopular government. Nevertheless, the territory now faces its worst ever recession and people are nervous about China's hardening stance towards the pro-democracy opposition. The public health crisis may be over, but a new political one is looming. Not as we know it. The return of the office. When wage slaves start returning to work, they may face a different environment. Social distancing and office life are difficult to combine. It will be hard to keep employees apart at the entrance, and even more so in the lifts. If desks are six feet apart, Arup, an engineering group, estimates that central London offices will only be able to accommodate up to 35% of pre-lockdown staff. Regular cleaning will be needed because of the potential for cross-contamination, everything from door handles to photocopier buttons. In the long run, there are ingenious solutions. Cushman and Wakefield, a property services group, has an office in Amsterdam in which the carpet has coloured zones to keep employees six feet apart and arrows on the floor indicate that workers should circulate clockwise. But will companies want to invest in high-tech solutions or just wait for a vaccine to be developed? Crisis Management Siemens Reports Siemens' quarterly earnings due today will show the effects of falling demand, especially from customers making machinery and cars. Even so, Joe Kaiser, the German engineering giant's boss, has remained upbeat during the coronavirus crisis. At the beginning of April, he said the company's healthy liquidity would enable it to weather the pandemic without job cuts or a government bailout. He is sticking to his plan to take the group's energy business public in September and is organising a big party for 387,000 Siemens employees once the crisis is over. But the optimistic Mr Kaiser is on his way out. His deputy, Roland Bush, is due to succeed him next February. Mr Kaiser did not deny a story that Siemens was seeking a 3 billion euro, 3.2 billion dollar credit line from international banks, but it did not fit neatly with the extrovert executive's upbeat public messaging. The prosecution rests. Michael Flynn and the DOJ. Yesterday, America's Department of Justice announced it will drop its case against Michael Flynn. 
he was one of then-candidate Donald Trump's earliest supporters and became his first national security advisor. Mr. Flynn resigned under a cloud after pleading guilty in 2017 to lying to the FBI about his contacts with Russia's ambassador and about lobbying for Turkey. Federal prosecutors now contend that investigators' interviews with Mr. Flynn were not conducted with legitimate investigative basis and thus his statements, however untrue, were immaterial. It is extraordinary to forgo the prosecution of a serious crime after it has been admitted in open court. But Mr. Trump's supporters have long regarded Mr. Flynn's prosecution as the work of a malevolent deep state bent on undermining the president. Everyone else will see the dismissal as further evidence of the DOJ's politicization under William Barr, the Attorney General. Mr. Trump himself was exuberant, calling Mr. Flynn innocent and a great warrior. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Gustave Flaubert, who died on this day in 1880. What is beautiful is moral. That is all there is to it. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.